Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. That means it is Mental Health Monday. We'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is time for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Deaconess Heidi. Good morning. It is. It is both a joy. <laughs> But also a solemn moment because we're coming to the conclusion of finding hope yeah. from brokenness to restoration. I'm excited that we worked through this whole book. I've learned a ton mm-hmm. going through this book, but I'm also kind of sad because it's our conclusion of the book today. So um, fun! I, li- I like this format. I hope the listener has as well. It's been a really fun thing. So if someone is getting in on this and they haven't listened to all the episodes, I just really encourage them to go back because I think it's been such an enriching thing to stay with something for so long together. That's like, that's good life advice. Stay, yeah. stay with it for a long time. So we have a term, it, it, the last few weeks we've had some terms to define this week. The, the term that we start off with is restoration. Hmm. How do you like to define restoration? So one basic definition that I offer is returning something to its owner in its original condition. And that definition originally started with just returning something to its original condition, right? But I do think, particularly with our eyes on creation and even the way they use it. So if you look up restoration on the internet, you'll get a lot of like furniture and house pictures. Like in our culture, we talk about restoration, especially with physical objects that are historical in nature that like need attention. Maybe it's funny because shabby chick is nice, but also <laughs> bringing it to a place where it's usable, right? Where it has function and form. And so there is like an ownership component then to that as well. And so I thought that was kind of cool in the way that connects to creation that God Uh, is the creator of all of this. And he um, has a plan for returning things to the condition that they once were in the Garden of Eden when he, you know, spoke life to the universe and brought humankind to be in this place. And so I think, in my opinion, restoration is such a pivotal concept that we do not talk about enough in Christianity. And I think as Lutherans in particular, this is, it's not unique theology to us, but I think we have like a stronger understanding of it because of our like very strong emphasis on Christocentric scripture and scripture interpreting scripture and understanding the narrative of God across scripture instead of like taking tiny pieces out. And so the second definition I offer is the time when Jesus will come again from the heavens to stand on the earth, that's important, and return the universe to its original condition without sin without tears, without hurt, when all things will be made new in the fullness of life in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of components to that, right? It's to be say that out loud. But this idea of restoration, you know, finding hope from brokenness to restoration, that we are walking toward something, that there's a culmination of all of this that will be something 
magnificent and healing and beautiful and wonderful. And so I think that restoration idea, I cannot tell you how many people need to hear it, that that will bring hope into their lives. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about naming the brokenness, since this is the the journey we've been kind of talking about for the last several weeks. How does how does naming that brokenness in our lives help us to do this, this turning toward hope and finding hope? Sure. It's the same way in the beginning of the book, we begin to understand what brokenness is, but in four different ways, instead of just this broad, vague, abstract idea that is brokenness or sin, even restoration's the same way. It has a broad application of what restoration is. But again, we get the images of furniture in our head or a, you know, old home. And we all have like schemas, you know, and and ideas underneath terminology. And so by naming brokenness, we can take something that is vague of Christ and beautiful of Christ in its vagueness and allow it to be that, like broad and for the whole universe. But when we name the brokenness, we can also see that restoration more clearly in our own narrative and in our own experiences. And this is a uh, powerful work, I think, that Christ does, that he has worked into us. You know, there's I've been writing about emotions and I have a book coming out in September on emotions. And one of the hugest pieces of emotion regulation is naming it, right? Like naming the emotion and having some agency and power over that emotion then when we name it. And so I think this is true for brokenness, that there's some regulation that comes into our lives. The light shines into the darkness of whatever that brokenness is. And when we have names for it, then it's not that we can even fix it, but we um, there's some validation in that. Like it is a thing. I'm not making it up, you know. And there's some normalization in that that I'm not the only one who experiences brokenness, and it lifts that shame. And then there's healing in restoration. So sometimes we get it in tiny pieces in God's word and in his sacraments, in uh, the body of Christ, in relationships, in therapy and medications and in health and scientific advances and things like that, in nature, all kinds of things, right? But then we can turn toward the resources and things that we particularly need for ourselves and see that restoration more clearly. Do you have an example of this that you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm not trying to get prescriptive, no. uh, but mm -hmm. just a, an example to help us, mm -hmm. uh, especially for those of us who are probably more on the side of concrete thinkers <laughs> than abstract thinkers. Um, yeah. The, yeah. An example of what that looks like in a practical yeah. sense. Well, okay. I think, I think parenting and the concept of parenting is a, a little bit easier for me to describe the like layers of this in. So I'm going to go with that and understand that not everybody's a parent, but everybody has been parented, mm -hmm. right? Like, or lack thereof or whatever. It's something, family life is something that impacts all of us. And so, you know, I'm a parent and I'm trying to take care of my four kids and there are varying ages and various different struggles. And I have my own struggles and those interact and all of that good stuff. And I have things and values from my family of origin that I grew up in. And my husband and I are trying to get on the same page of as we parent these children and all of that stuff. And so there are little bits of restoration that I can see in that. Like when my husband and I have a conversation 
about how we think maybe we should handle a situation with our kids. And we are centered in God's word and his grace for us. And we can bring hope to one another in this problem. And then also, you know, maybe talk to one of our kids and be able to bring some hope for them forward through God and his word and also through some other resources that are before us. Then we maybe haven't solved everything but I see restoration in those conversations, right? Like I see the meat of relationship and God's work at times in conversations. Then sometimes I get to see restoration through a particular struggle, like perhaps one of, and this is not specific to my family, I'm trying to be kind of vague here so no one feels thrown under the bus, but like pretend you have a child that has a hard time with school. Like it's just harder for them than other kids. Um, and it makes them feel less than in various ways. There's going to be moments of conversation where I see some hope and restoration. Then there's going to be me accessing maybe an IEP or a resource for them. And that's a restorative process. And I believe God is working in these ways. And I believe that our like as a church, we can say like, these are some ways that God works is when he provides, right? Like that's part of his provision. I can look up verses that say like, I have a hope and plan and a future for for your child. And so those different restorative pieces, I think, happen, whereas it's a long game, right? Like, like when that child graduates high school, like, whoa, that's a whole different breed of restoration for me as a parent and them and our relationship together as I see them, you know, come to like a more formal version of success, if you will, in this thing. Or, I mean, maybe it gets real complicated first and I have to dial back into those tiny moments of hope in the way that God restores through one single test that we were able uh, to get through and and be able to pass or whatever. Um, and then there's the long game of just my child existing as a human on this earth, as a kind person and knowing Jesus and all of that good stuff. Like that's part of the restoration I see over time. And then one day, and this is the big one, not only will we hopefully see one another in heaven again, when we are believers in Christ Jesus, we have that future. But like one day we're going to stand on this planet again with Christ in the new creation and it's going to be like something we can't even believe because it's so beautiful and new without the sin and struggle that we have known. And and I think that's going to be pretty incredible. And so do you see the different layers of that, like the hope in it, but also those restorative moments, if you will, and restorative pieces that God knits into our everyday leading to that big one eventually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all uh, a journey and a journey that ends in this restoration, which is uh, kind of really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and I I mean, like I don't know how to talk about it. Not excited, you like like I I really really want people to know that this is also their story, right? Like that God is doing this in their life, and that's one reason I became a therapist is because I wanted people to see the restorative moments of the day to day as well as the restoration long-term. And that's really powerful for people because hope is brighter when we um, see God working each day. And it's not just like we're left to our own devices until someday. You know, and I think, unfortunately, the idea of heaven for people, while really helpful at times, when they don't have the concept that God is actually working in this here brokenness right here, then it's it feels just so hopeless 
like that God has left us until one day when we have heaven. And it's it's late more layered than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do how does God what does God do with that brokenness? What what is where do we see him working through this? Yeah, I I think always turning us toward Christ in various ways. And he he works that differently for different people. All of our narratives are different. We have shared humanity, you know. So I think that's one beautiful thing about scripture is that it is very descriptive of the human condition. And so we see so many examples. Like there's some narrative in scripture that you can connect with that is has elements of your story in it, if you will. But yeah, I think God works in that narrative, in that journey. He constantly reveals himself. You know, baptism opens our eyes. And I think that's the coolest thing about Lutheran infant baptism. And the fact that we believe in infant baptism is that we're like just offering this ability to have eyes wide open for our children as they move forward without like guessing about Christ in their lives. And and that's a really powerful thing. And so he has so many ways that he comes into our life then from that. And I think God is a creative God. <laughs> and it's really cool to sit across from people and hear, like, oh, where do you see God? Like, where is he in your narrative? You know, he's way more places than we're able to see and imagine. But we start there, right? We start with what can begin to identify together. And I think this is where the body of Christ especially is so helpful is we need other people who are thinking about God, talking about Jesus to say, oh, I see him here for you as well. That's a really powerful place of restoration. It is Mental Health Monday on The Coffee Hour. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We have more to share as we wrap up Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration, her book from Concordia Publishing House. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're chatting with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, taking a look at the conclusion to Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration. Great book from Concordia Publishing House. So we've been talking about naming brokenness and how that helps us turn toward hope. Hope is really what we're all about. Finding hope is mm-hmm. the name of the book, right? <laughs> so how might we be bearers of hope to our neighbor? How do we bring hope? Maybe ways we know or we don't know. Mm, yeah, I, there's there's so many ways, Andy. There's so many ways. One word, I think if you go back into a different section of the book we use is dwell right? Like that is a a strong biblical word that we don't use in our culture very often. But I think when we, so we have Christ dwelling in us, right? That like he says, he's constantly there. He's dwelling with us. He came down 
in his incarnation dwelled on this earth. Well, he does that now, like inside of us in the Holy Spirit. And so then we, I think, go and dwell with others, which I think we make this more complicated than it needs to be. Like, I think we think we need to like really teach others in our interactions. And while there's there's components of that, I think being with people is being a hope bearer. I think helping them to know that they are worthy of time and energy, resources, and God's attention, that is not a small thing. And I think especially when we can put, just like we name brokenness, when we can name our faith, when we can name Jesus Christ as Savior of the world, um, eventually in relationships, you get to that because you're not hiding parts of yourself, right? I'm not going to hide away my faith. This is just who I am. And I I tell people, like, I don't hang out with people who want me to be a different person. Like, I hang out with a lot of non-believers, but there are people who want me to be a different person. And and I, I, I don't know. I'm not called to that work, you know? And so just being yourself by the things that are important to you and allowing the people across from you to state what's important to them. That is dwelling together and bringing hope without ignoring brokenness. So that's the duality that we live in is that there's brokenness in this world. It is hard. I'm going to name my brokenness. I'm going to help you name yours. We're going to do that in relationship together, but always under this umbrella of hope that there is something more. And for people who don't believe in Jesus, that it's it's challenging because like I don't have a way to name what there's something more is then. But it takes a lot of listening in conversation to see where they're at and being willing to hear some things that you may not like because you believe in Jesus. That that's not that's not your something more. But hearing it from them gets you to the place where you can share what your something more is. And I think eventually the places of brokenness creep in and just reveal, like God always doing his revealing work, that those other something mores don't don't hold. They just don't hold. And so I think that that dwelling piece of relationship with other people and allowing brokenness and hope to be side by side is the, you know, one of the most powerful things we can do to share the gospel in our neighborhoods as well then. Yeah, I think after uh, what a year and a half of not being able to physically dwell with other oh, wow. people at least for me that really was this this starting point jumping jump jumping off point there's a word for that uh, for for having those and being intentional about those moments of of showing up for people who who need somebody mm-hmm. and, and how important that really is in those relationships to to build each other up as we yeah. as we look toward Christ. It's absolutely so, yeah. true. And one thing I talk about a lot in the Song of Solomon study I wrote, Song of Solomon's Altogether Beautiful, is the concept that it's not relationship without reciprocity. So if there's no mm-hmm. back and forth in that, like it's not relationship. So even when someone has a different vantage point, like there's a back and forth to the discussion, to even the hope sharing, like God is wild in the way he, you know, interacts in this world. And so I think... um, that's overwhelming for people when you think about like going out to be there for people. Like when you just mm-hmm. came out of a year and a half, two years of COVID, you're like, okay, I have nothing left to be with people. And instead, I want them to hear that, no, 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 you don't have to be there for every people. <laughs> and you don't um, necessarily have to keep showing up in relationships that don't also like show up in some kind of reciprocity for you, that's not really dwelling in relationship. And so that's there's many nuances to what I just said there. But but reciprocity, boundaries, these are things that are part of love. 
and part of being there for people and showing them hope in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate because I'm also a hockey fan, your (laughs) your illustration of of showing how Christ is our foundation. Can you talk about that just because oh, I really like this illustration? The cracks in the ice. Oh, I'm glad you yes. like that one. I super love my kayaking illustration. I was hoping, like, I, I haven't yeah. heard from very many people about that illustration. I'm like, but come on, people, it's such a good illustration. Oh, now you know. But this one is also like one of my favorites because it felt like, you know, we all have those moments where you just feel like God is really revealing something to you. And I was doing a women's retreat up in Minnesota around altogether beautiful and relationship with God and relationship with Christ and one another. And I think because of having been in those scriptures, then I went out and, you know, I had an afternoon to myself. And so as you will, in Minnesota, you brought your ice skates and you look for a frozen pond and they have them at the, I also went to the Goodwill just so, you know, to buy used hockey jerseys and shirts for my family. (laughs) It was a good afternoon. It was a good afternoon. But I was struck by how many cracks there were. And there, I can send a picture, like they're such like startling cracks, if you will, in the ice. And I asked the woman, and I'll just read this little part, manning the warming hut, if it was safe to skate on the ice with so many cracks. She looked at me with compassion and said, oh, sweetie, there are several good inches of ice under those cracks. Christ is the good ice underneath all our cracks. Christ is the firm foundation upon which we skate and walk and crawl and eat and sleep in this life. As Christians, we have a name for our hope and also a name for the hurtful, challenging, frustrating and weighty things of life. When we call brokenness out by naming the scary cracks in our lives, we can see the foundation beyond those cracks a little more clearly. I just think that's, if you have never experienced like frozen ice and the fact that there's just so many layers of ice that the cracks look like giant chasms, but really they they cannot harm you. It just seemed like a really, really applicable thing to me for how Christ is always the foundation, even though this world will always have cracks of varying degrees in our lives. Hmm. So this brings us to the conclusion of this chapter with just about two minutes left. There are some <clears throat> some handy uh, resources in the back of this book as well. Can you point out some of the resources and maybe ideas for how to use this book, not only as an individual, but also as a group? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I don't know how to create a resource without like some questions to help people process the information. You know, I love big ideas and I love stuff that goes deep, but I know that can be overwhelming for people. And so I think having some questions to break it down and to have it wrestle uh alongside you with the certain components of your life is really helpful. So there is a reader's guide in the back and it has a couple questions for each section. And so if this is also something that groups can use then if they would like to do it like a study, there's also, I almost put in the reader's guide actually the selected scriptures for each section because there is so much scripture interwoven, but that felt too Bible study and So I want people to know that it really can be used like you would a traditional Bible study because there's so many scriptures in it. However, like it's meant to be a resource that you can hand to a neighbor and isn't going to be overwhelming like Bible study when that's maybe not where they're at. And with the topic of brokenness, especially people may not be there. And so, yes, you can utilize it. And maybe if you're a leader, then go back to the chapter and write down the scriptures and look those up as a group as well as utilize the questions. Um, 
And you, some groups I've seen take it very slow and do like the tiny sections at a time. And some do maybe two or three together in a session. And so that's one way. There's also some Instagram live videos that I did this winter that expand on each section. So a little bit of extra information there for people. They can go to my Instagram at Heidi Gaiman or it's Heidi Gaiman writes, maybe. I don't know. And there's also some resources and expanding reader's guides on my website under Finding Hope or Finding Hope Community on the Books and Studies Availables tab. Lots, I try to add things to my resources so that they are more expansive. So you can just probably look for different components to come out, you know, as time goes on. And I love my favorite part about this book is the feedback I get that said, I, I ordered three more copies because I have people I want to give them to. I really wanted to write something that spoke into the lives of people that want to be able to have a conversation spiritually with someone that may not um, be in a place where they're just going to show up to church. Like, I think we need some bridges like that. And so I'm really excited to see that it's being utilized like that. Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration, the book from Deaconess Heidi Gaiman from Concordia Publishing House. It's been a joy just to work through this. I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a little pause with our Mental Health Mondays with Deaconess Heidi for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. And then we're going to pick up with a new topic. Mm-hmm. And we'll do that in uh, just a couple of weeks. Heidi, thank you so much for walking through this great resource with us. It's been really helpful. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. And may everyone out there have a little more hope in their life each day. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.